Praise God. I'm glad I have the Holy Ghost. Just like the Bible said. Hallelujah. Just like the Bible said. And you know what? It happened. And no one can tell me any otherwise. Because it happened just like the Bible said. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, musicians, singers. God bless you. Glad to be in the house of the Lord this evening. Glad to see all your smiling faces. Praise God. I want to turn your attention for just a little while this evening. 1 Kings chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. I appreciate whoever put this water up here and opened that for me already because sometimes it can be awful hard to open. 1 Kings 21, verses 1 through 3. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel hard by the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto me, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. He had good intentions. Ahab had good intentions. He wasn't trying to steal it from him. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. That I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. God bless you. You may be seated. This lamb was an inheritance. Naboth. I can see it a little bit easier like this. I'm I'm getting used to using this thing now. I want to talk to you a little bit about I'm still not for sale. I'm still not for sale. I received the Holy Ghost many years ago as a teenager and have come up in the church, been married, had children, raised my children in the church. My children are all married now and they have children and they're raising their children in the church. I've been around a little while. Does it mean I know everything? Of course not. No, I've just barely scratched the surface. But I know this one thing, that I'm still not for sale. I wasn't for sale in 1974 when I received the Holy Ghost. I wasn't for sale in 1980 or 1990 or in the year of 2000. 
I was not for sale. And here in the year of 2019, I am still not for sale. I received the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is my inheritance. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost is the earnest of our inheritance. We will receive an inheritance, hallelujah, one of these days when we go to glory, a heavenly inheritance. Praise God. I'm still not for sale. Hallelujah. Now, in Naboth's instance, this land was part of his inheritance that the Lord spoke about when dividing up the land of Canaan. There's a salesman coming around and wanting to buy up land. How many of y'all ever seen the signs out on the uh, different uh, utility poles and everything, stop signs, I buy land, I buy land cheap, and uh, all this kind of stuff. There's somebody wanting to come around and buy land. There's somebody wanting to come around and buy your inheritance. Don't sell what God has given you. We have been given the earnest of our inheritance when we receive the glorious baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we must guard what has been given to us. Naboth knew the importance of his inheritance. That's why when asked to sell or to be given another parcel equivalent of value, he responded, the Lord forbid that I sell it. The Lord forbid that I sell it. He wasn't trying to be rude, but this was this was passed down from the Lord. It wasn't his to sell. And I started looking in, in a commentary about this. So I'm going to read a little bit from Matthew Henry's commentary. And the Lord did forbid, did forbid it, else he would not have been so rude and uncivil to his prince as not to gratify him in so small a matter. Ahab had just, had just come back from victory. Victory, God had given him victory over the king of Syria, over the Syrian army. God had given him victory over it. And he came back and was feeling great. And he said, man, this, this vineyard right here is so close to to the palace, well, I, I'd like to have it for, to have a garden of herbs here. But that wasn't the case. Canaan was a peculiar manner, was in a peculiar manner, God's land. God's land. The Israelites were his tenants. And this was one of the conditions of their leases, that they should not alienate, no, not to one another, any part of that which fell to their lot. When they came across the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, all the different tribes were given certain parcels of the land of Canaan. And this was part of Naboth's inheritance from his forefathers was handed down to him. Now, they were not to 
to part with this unless in case of extreme necessity and then only till the year of Jubilee. You see, on the 50th year, every, that is considered the year of Jubilee. And if for some reason or another they had lost something, like a, a parcel of land, they had to let it, they had to give it up for extreme necessity, then the, the 50th year, the year of Jubilee, it would be given back to them. But in this instance, Naboth never thought, well, never thought that he'd ever be able to give it back, get it back at the year of Jubilee because he had given it, he had sold it to royalty. Now, Naboth uh, foresaw that in his vineyard were sold to the crown, Okay, it would never return to his heirs, no, not in the jubilee. He would gladly oblige the king, but he must obey God rather than men. And you and I must obey God rather than men. And therefore, in this matter, desires to be excused. Ahab knew the law or should have known it and therefore did ill to ask that which his subject could not grant without sin. He says he seems to have been a conscientious man who would have rather hazard the king's displeasure. He would rather hazard the king's displeasure than to offend God. I don't want anything to get in between me and the Lord. There's been many times out on the job and things would, things would start to escalate and work was a little slack so we had a little free time and conversation would venture off into junk and profane language and cursing and all that. And I would kindly get up and just disappear because I don't want any part of that. Uh, am I better than them? No, I'm not better than them, but I want to live for God. I don't want my mind to be filled with a bunch of junk. So Naboth, in his conscience, he didn't want to offend God. Ahab's great discontent and his proud spirit aggravated the in indignity Naboth did him in denying him as a thing not to be suffered. He cursed the squeamishness of Naboth's conscience. conscience. Our conscience, if it lines up with the Word of God, we better follow it, regardless of what anyone else wants us to do. Which he pretended to consult the peace of and secretly me meditated 
to revenge. Nor could he bear the disappointment to cut. It cut him to the heart to be crossed in his desires. Ahab was crossed in his desires. He was hurt. And he was very sick and went and laid on his bed and had a big pity party. Discontent is a sin that in its own punishment and makes men torment themselves. Discontent. It makes the spirit sad, the body sick, and all the enjoyment sour. It is the heaviness of the heart and the rottenness of the bones. It is a sin that is its own parent, its own parent. Discontent comes from within. It don't come from without. It comes from within when someone is discontented. It arises not from the condition but from the mind. As we find Paul contented in a prison, so Ahab discontent in a palace. He did all the delights of Canaan. He had all the delights of Canaan at his command. Though the wealth of the kingdom, the pleasures of a court, the honors and powers of a throne, King Ahab, and yet all this avails him nothing without Naboth's vineyard. Inordinate desires expose men and women to continual vexations and thus that are disposed to fret. Be they ever so happy, they will always find something or other to fret at, to fret about. You know anybody like that? You can't please them. You couldn't, you couldn't please them if you hung them with a new rope. Well, no one would like that anyway. Numbers chapter 36 and verse 7 gives us a little insight on inheritance. So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe. For every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. And anything that is of utmost importance to us, we will guard and at times we'll build a fence around it. If it's utmost importance to us, we'll build a fence around it. That makes sense. There's a big fence trying to be built right now. Not to keep people in. And there's gates to allow people to come the right way. I'm talking about a wall. So with when if when we build a fence, I'm talking about I'm still not for sale. When we build a fence, it's to keep whatever is undesirable out. My daughter and son in law, Joel and Kristen, are putting up a, they moved into a house, they bought a house, and they're putting up a fence. That's a big fence. What I mean by big, it's no bigger than any other. If 
about six foot. You got a little runner on the bottom, but it's long. They've got almost two acres. So their backyard is a big backyard, and they're putting up this fence. They got the right permits to put it up. Well, some aren't too fond of this. She even posted this on her Facebook page about these issues that arose when they started going up with the fence. When you build a fence, your neighbors become nosy. People on the outside looking in get curious as to what is behind the fence. Questions and sarcasm begin to crop out, crop up. But why? What are you hiding back there? This is all the things that she's been asked. What are you hiding back there? Your kids should know not to play in the road, right? Well, they have two eight-year-olds, a four-year-old, and soon to be one, a two-year-old. So I see the reason for offense. Do you have to build it that tall? You know your house looks different than all the houses in the neighborhood. Anybody getting my drift? When you draw a line, build a boundary, raise a fence, people notice. It draws those who are watching. One, on one hand, you have those who respect your decision. On the other hand, beware the predators who know you're building that fence to protect something sacred, something important, something that matters. They will try to get behind that fence and destroy what you hold dear in your heart. Oh, come on. You're so narrow-minded. Hey, they're picking them up on the side of the road. They're having women, you, you hear it in the news all the time, women walking to their cars in a shopping center, at a mall, wherever, a car going by real slow and snatching something very valuable to them, their purse, regardless of whether they get hurt or not. You hear of people following women with children in grocery stores, in department stores, and trying to snatch that young one away. There's a whole lot of that going on these days. I don't think that they're being so narrow-minded in putting up a fence or to even think about a fence. Beware. People would ask you to remove a few boards, break down a few bricks to do something your man of God has asked you not to do, has warned you about, to do something that once pricked your heart or your conscience. That's all it takes for rebellion or pride or bitterness to creep in. That's all it takes for a shift to happen in spiritual authority, and it will put you in the driver's seat and not the Lord. That, my friends, is a dangerous place. 
and will alert the enemy to an unstable fence, one easily broken down. We have precious little ones that are depending on us to protect them. Even so, it is when there are new babes in Christ. The boundaries, fence if you would have it, must be clearly marked. This separation of the world, fence if you would have it, must be realized by all. And it can be found all through the Word of God. If we don't know, we need to pray and ask God to show us boundaries in the Word of God. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the, the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Abideth forever. <laughs> I'm talking about not being for sale. Don't be for sale. You've been given a treasure in your earthen vessel. Don't allow it to be taken away from you. I'm reading from the <clears throat> New Living Translation. Jesus stated in Luke 16 and 13, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How can we have our minds renewed? It's by getting in the Word of God and letting the Word of God become as water and wash. Wash our minds. Things that we've seen, things that we've heard all throughout the day. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 through 7. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. This is before I received the Holy Ghost. That's how I walked. I had hair halfway down my back. I went to bed with a joint in my hand and put it down. And when I woke up, I was lighting one, another one. Because 
I wanted to feel good. And that's all I knew about life. Oh, I knew there was a God, and I knew that all I had to to do was believe in Him, and everything would be okay. And when I believed in Him, and I prayed, and you know what? I had a praying grandmother. I prayed before I went to bed when I was out in the world. God started drawing me. People told me I was a Christian. I said, no, no, I'm not a Christian. I would read my Bible. I would pray. I wanted to go to church on Sundays. But I needed more. I needed more. The Bible says that when the spirit of truth has come, he will lead and guide us into all truth. Of course, we have to be leadable. Praise God. So this is what this scripture is talking about in verse 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We didn't realize it, but we were the children of wrath. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit, sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Praise God. Oh, what a Savior. What a mighty God we serve. What a personable God we serve. One who loves us more than we could ever imagine. He said that his ways are so high above our ways and his thoughts are so high above our thoughts. When we, when we do something, when we mess up and we, we do something wrong, we think, oh, man, he, he's going he's gonna to take it out on me for doing this. We have a Savior that has arms open wide, waiting, wanting us. All we got to do is repent, and he loves us. He's faithful and just to forgive He's faithful and just to forgive. Praise God. And, and you know what? When he forgives, he forgets. The Bible says that our sins are removed, are removed so far as the east is from the west. Imagine how far the east is from the west. Can you imagine that? That's how far the Lord removes our sins and remembers them no more. Oh, we remember them. 
people that we might have hurt, remember them. But God, we must accept his mercy and thank him that, you know, if you play football and you grab that ball and you're running down the court, running down the field, and someone knocks you down, you're not there yet. You got to get back up. And you got to make it all the way to the finish line, right? So don't stay down. Get back up. Forgive yourself. It's easier for God to forgive us than we to forgive ourselves. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, who is our life, if you've received the Holy Ghost, He is your life. He is my everything. He is my all. Praise God. My everything, both great and small. Do I believe it like I'm saying it right now? You better believe it. He gave his life for me. He made everything new. He is my everything. Now how about you? Praise God. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. In glory. Praise God. I brought all these scriptures into play so that some might better understand separation from the world. We are in the world, but not of the world. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Once we received the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, we became citizens of another kingdom. Jesus' kingdom, he said, is not here on earth. It's not flesh and blood. His kingdom is of another world. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, no matter what happens to this flesh, this spirit is going to live on forevermore. Praise God, one day when you were born, God breathed in you the breath of life and you became a living soul. I became a living soul and that soul desires its creator. That soul, we try and put so many things in here to satisfy, but only Jesus can satisfy our soul. Only Jesus, praise God, can satisfy our soul. And one last scripture I have is, is, is Ecclesiastes 8, chapter 8, and verse 8. There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. 
You can't live any longer than you want to live. Uh-uh. I have a destiny with fate. I have a destiny with eternity. I have a time. You have a time with eternity. No one has power to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. There's no discharge in that war. We're in the fight of our lives. If we want to make it to heaven, it's like rowing a boat up the Mississippi right now. The Mississippi is just overflowing its banks. The Trinity River is overflowing its banks right now. It has been in flood stage for weeks. Try and row a boat upstream. That's how living for God is. But you know what? We got everything we need to make it all the way. Praise God. And there's joy along the way because Jesus is in my boat. Hallelujah. Jesus is in your boat. Praise God. Can we stand? Hallelujah. I'm still not for sale. How about you? I'm still not for sale. I'm going to protect those that God has given me. And I'm going to try my best to see that they make it to heaven. Praise God. Praise God. Let's all bow our heads in closing. Master, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. A lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Help us, O oh Lord, to follow after your word, desire your word, desire to follow after you in all sincerity and in truth that we may go all the way with you, O oh God. And, Lord, you, you help us, Lord, and we please you. We live a life pleasing unto you, reaching out to others, O oh God. Hallelujah. Praise God. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You can come and pray if you want to pray or you're dismissed in the name of the Lord and in the fear of God. Remember, Donuts with Dad Sunday morning. Come early. Come early. Bring your dad. Bring your neighbor. They're a dad. And, and bring their kids with you. Come, hey, man, Peace Tabernacle, they're going to have Donuts with Dad celebrating Father's Day. Donuts, orange juice, probably milk, coffee. Uh, there's going to be some other snacks besides that. It's going to be it's going to be a good time of fellowship before Sunday school starts. God bless you.